Hey, greetings from the year 3000. It still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry, and you're listening to The Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast. Here we are, guys. The probable cause affidavit was finally released. We're the Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel J. Alongside with me, as always, Jaime G. Big Blue. Jaime, how you doing tonight? You drinking with us? I am. I am drinking. I'm drinking uh, some Bird Dog chocolate flavored whiskey. Nice, nice. I wish I could join you. I'm a little bit under the weather when it comes to my my abdomen area. Uh, I've been throwing up a little bit earlier today, so... Uh, hopefully it's just a 24-hour bug. Big Blue, how are you doing tonight? I know you're off, so what are you drinking? I am off tonight, guys, so I am enjoying a little bit of ginger ale with a little bit of whiskey. Just just a splash of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old splash. Good old splash. Yeah, my favorite kind of splashes. We're saying hello to a couple of the folks in the live chat earlier. We have Miss... 003, Miss R003. We have State of the Steelers coming in from San Antonio, Texas. Let us know where you're coming from, guys. Uh, Deataway, we're looking forward to going over this for sure. Donald, <laughs> Donald's coming from a bunker hill in, in Hello. George Teston, all the way from PA. <clears throat> so, nice. we've, we've all been waiting for this. This was supposed to be released last week. The uh, uh, law enforcement kind of stated out there that they um, suspected that there's possibly more suspects involved. They didn't want to release the probable cause affidavit without that uh, being a possibility that they could tip somebody off or somebody getting hurt or injured. And you know what, guys, before we get into it, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see anything in here that led to somebody else being involved. What about did you guys? I know you guys have read it. Yeah. What, what, what do you think that based on what you've seen in the probable cause affidavit, if is there is there does it lead that there's more people involved? Negative. I did not see anything that pointed anywhere to other suspects. Yeah, I didn't either, man. Like uh, going through it, I did not see anybody else's name mentioned in it. Uh, maybe it's in some of the, I guess the defenses. I mean, but they would have to release it to the plaintiffs, right? Well, yeah, they they definitely did release it to the uh, the defense team, and earlier um, this week or last week, I'm sorry, the defense team came out and said that they want this probable cause to be released. They felt that it was flimsy at best, that it didn't meet the criteria of or what they thought would have been an investigation for five years that led to an arrest of somebody. Um, I don't want to disagree or agree with them, but. I found this to be a little bit weak, to be honest with you guys. You know, I expected this to come in, uh, there being more information and there being a stronger case against Richard Allen than there would have been for Ronald Logan and there would have been for Keegan Klein. And I'll be honest, there's one piece of evidence, but outside of that, it's very circumstantial in my opinion. I agree so, with that. Let's I mean, go through it. Oh, go ahead, Blue. It, it sounds circumstantial, but to me, it, it's enough. So let's it's go possible. through it and see see what everybody else thinks. It's possible. Now, when you when you go through this, uh, I like to look at things from a, a defense attorney, like what it is that they're going to say or do or 
try to poke poke, poke holes in your in your case here mm-hmm. and we'll go through it the uh the victims are identified as victim one and two i believe victim two is libby because she's the one that was recording the uh the incident so here it goes at, on on february 14 2017 victim one and two were found deceased in the woods approximately 0.2 miles northeast of the monhan high bridge in carroll county the bodies were located on the north side of deer creek so let's just go back here real quick just so we can show where everybody so kind of the general location as to where we thought they were going to be yeah. um you know on the north side of deer, deer creek about a quarter mile away so right there that's that's not even a quarter mile to be honest with you so from right here let's let's measure it out real quick straight across yeah so about a quarter mile away this is the general location of where the bodies were found on the opposite side of deer creek on the north side so let's go back and we're going to be doing this back and forth stuff guys going from the uh the pc affidavit to the um um the the map so we can kind of get an idea of where we're at right all right at the time the monhan the mon on high bridge trail was approximately one mile gravel trail terminating at the at the high bridge the monhan high bridge is an abandoned railroad uh, trestle approximately a quarter mile long spanning deer creek the deer creek and the deer creek valley on the southeast end of the trail approximately 0.7 miles northwest of the trail from the northwestern edge of the bridge is freedom bridge which is a pedestrian bridge spanning uh state uh state road 25 approximately 350 feet west of freedom bridge was a or was a former railroad overpass over old state road 25 known as county road 300 north uh, the trail terminates west of the former railroad overpass. The majority of the trail is wooded area with steep embankment on the south side of the trail. The entirety of the trail and the location of the girls' bodies um, were and are located in Carroll, Indiana. So let's go back out of here. So this is the Freedom Bridge right here that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is the pedestrian bridge. This is the start of the trail that leads to uh, it goes through this wooded uh, area, and it comes down this direction towards the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of give everybody an idea of where we're at and where this uh, heinous crime was uh, took place, more or less. Um, so let's go back over here. Through interviews and reviews of electronic records and review of video at um, Hoiser, Ho- Hooser, I'm sorry, um, Harvest Snower. Uh, investigators believe victim one and two were dropped off across the Myers Farm at 1.49 p.m. on February 13th by, and it's redacted. Um, we can go ahead and guesstimate that this is by the sister because yeah. that's been reported. The Myers Farm is located on the north side of the County Road 300 North near the entrance of the trails. A video from victim two's phone shows that at 2.13, victim one and victim two encountered a male subject southeast portion of the Monhan High Bridge. The male ordered the girls down the hill. No witnesses saw them after this time. No outgoing communications were found on the victim's number two's phone after this time. And the bodies were discovered on February 14th. So let's kind of just get an idea. This is the um, the Hoosier Harvest Store that had some um, recording devices of this road here. 
and this is the uh, Myers farm. You know, relative to where the bridge was at, this is the old uh, the old cemetery that's there in Delphi. So they got a lot of video evidence from here of people traveling this roadway in and out of this area. And it, it, it helps correlate a timeline and a um, an idea of where everything is. So the video recovered from victim two's phone shows that victim one was walking on the southeast of the Monhan High Bridge while a male subject wearing dark jacket and jeans walked behind her. As the male subject approaches victim one and two, one of the victims mentions gun. Near the end of the video, a male is seen and heard telling the girls, guys down the hill. The girls began to proceed down the hill and the video ends. A still photograph taken from the video and the guys down the hill audio was subsequently released to the public to assist investigators in identifying the male. And so at this point, bridge guy, which we are assuming is Richard Allen, yeah. uh, approaches the girls, has a gun in his hand because the girls have seen the gun or at least has it visible to them. You can hear one of the girls saying gun, and then he tells them and directs him to go down the hill. And at that point, going down the hill is when the video video quits. What do you got, Big Blue? From the original reports, I always remembered them saying that there was a gun. Like, I always remembered. And, uh, but I couldn't find anything on it for a while. Right. Right. And and I agree. The uh, I also saw a lot of things where somebody says, is there a gun? There was rumors that they called him the creepy man. That comes out of here. So somebody was releasing some information because there was some other girls that called him the creepy man. It wasn't Libby and Abby. And yeah. so and that was actually on the Freedom Bridge, which is a little bit confusing, um, but we'll be going through it. So uh, victim one and two's death were ruled as a homicide. Clothes were found in Deer Creek belonging to victim one and two. South where the bodies were located. So right here, and, and it doesn't mention at all in the probable cause affidavit uh, any type of clothing that was missing. Now, if we go back to the Richard Logan probable uh, search warrant, I'm sorry, that mentioned that there was some piece of garment or clothing that was taken from the scene. Yeah. I don't see that here. What do you guys think? We'll start off with you, Jaime. Yeah, I remember on that um, probable cause for, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Uh, Ronald Logan. Right. Yeah. They said that uh, a piece of clothing, which we thought it was said, it was redacted, right? It was said, I think yeah. it was said, I think we came up to the determination it was uh, undergarments that was missing from one of the the victims. Right. Right. Yeah. The, one of the victim, they found majority of the clothing except for one piece of item. It was redacted and it doesn't mention who or which victim it was that was missing the piece of clothing. And it was redacted as to what clothing was missing. Here it says that the clothes were found in the creek. So we know that the bodies that they uh, they they were on the uh, south east end of the bridge. So you're looking at this direction. They went down the hill. So based on what we saw before, where we predict where we uh, guesstimated that the uh, girls had to walk this direction and across the river was true. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, this is the direction that they went. And this is the side in which of the Monhan Bridge that Libby and Abby were both on. And so it seems pretty, uh, pretty um, 
explanatory right there. So here's where it gets a little bit interesting. It says there was a 40 caliber unspent round less than two feet away from the victim's body. Victim number two, which I believe was Libby, right? That yeah. was the one that was recording? Yeah. Um, between victim one and victim two's body, the round was unspent and had extraction marks on it. Now, what that means, and, and let's bring up a picture of the um, of the potential gun. And it, it talks about the potential gun later on, but let's look at this real quick. So what ends up happening when you have this type of weapon, what I'm assuming happened is that the assailant had control of the girls with the gun, pointed the gun at them, may have lost control of the situation, whether it's one of the girls decided to leave, run, or whatever the case may be. And he tried to control them by cocking the slide back or pulling the slide back, making that noise, so to speak. And so um, when you do that and you pull the slide back, it's going to throw out a round that's in the chamber. Now, that extraction, that round that's being thrown out of the chamber off the top of the slide, it's going to have some grooves on it that are, what's the word I'm looking for? There are it's like a fingerprint where it's there's only one marking that's going to be able to make those exact yeah. marks. They're particular right? to that gun, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so they found an unspent round, a 40 caliber round, which is a common round used um, with semi-automatic handguns. When you're looking at your Glocks, you're looking at this type of weapon that we're looking at here. Um, they're the kind that use the .40 caliber. Uh, but yeah, they're saying that there was some extraction marks on there. So, but it was unspent, was not shot, was not fired. Okay. So it goes on to say that interviews were conducted with three juveniles, blank and blank. So it was redacted. They advised they were on the uh, Monhan High Bridge Trail on February 13th. They advised they were walking on the trail towards Freedom Bridge to go home when they encountered a male walking from the Freedom Bridge towards the Monhan Bridge. So let's go back. These guys were heading out this direction from the trail. And this is Freedom Bridge going towards the Monhan Bridge. So they saw somebody coming off this bridge here, which is kind of weird because this is the old CPS building where they suspect Richard Allen to have been parked at. I don't see how he gets on the bridge if he's going this direction. I see him walking towards the bridge. But I don't get how he gets from here to here, across the highway and this direction. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I could see him walking down this, the, the, the side of the road right here coming on this part of the trail, crossing this direction and coming this this way. But they says here that they were walking towards the Freedom Bridge to go home when they encountered a male walking from the Freedom Bridge towards the, the Monhan uh, um, High Bridge. So just one thing to think about. Blank described the man or the male as kind of creepy. And so this is where that creepy um, came out of. You know, where they uh, it was revealed earlier on in this investigation that somebody called him the creepy old man or something like that. 
So they describe him as kind of creepy and advised he was wearing like blue jeans and like really light blue jacket. And he had, he said, they said that he, this is kind of weird. And he, his hair was gray, maybe a little bit brown, did not really show his face. So right now, Richard Allen has quite a bit of gray, but we've seen a lot of pictures back then. Did, did you guys see a lot of gray? I thought it looked more brown and red. What about you? What do you think, Blue? I think it was a little bit more um, browner back then. I mean, that was seven years ago, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. I think it was a little bit browner. Yeah, and so he said that she advised that the uh, the jacket was a duck canvas type jacket. I'm guessing like a, a duck hunter type jacket. Advised, she said hi to the male, but he just glared at him. She recalled him being in all black and had something covering his mouth. She described him as not very tall. Richard Allen is about five foot six, five foot four, with a bigger build, so he's a heavier man. She said he was not bigger than five foot ten. Blank advised he was wearing a black hoodie, black jeans, and black boots. She stated that he had his hands in his pockets. I mean, you're, you're not really paying attention to the details of somebody walking by you. So, you know, getting the colors wrong and things of that nature aren't aren't really that major or big to me saying that this isn't him. Plus, witness testimony typically isn't the most reliable. Memory can be kind of tricky. Yeah, so definitely. Blank showed investigators photographs she took on her phone while she was at the trail that day. The photographs included pictures photos of the Monhon High Bridge taken at 12.43 p.m. and another taken at 1.26 on the bench east of the Freedom Bridge. Advised she took the photo of the bench. They started walking back toward Freedom Bridge. She advised that she was, she advised that when she encountered the man who matched the description from the photograph taken from Victim 2's video, Blank described the man she encountered on the trails wearing blue or black windbreaker jacket. She advised the jacket had a collar and he had his hood up from the clothing underneath his jacket. She advised he was wearing baggy jeans and was taller than her. And she advised her head came up to approximately his shoulder. She said, she advised Blank said hi to the man and that he said nothing back. He stated he was walking with a purpose like he knew where he was going. She stated he had his hands in his pockets and kept his head down. She did advise uh, she did not get a good look at his face, but believe him to be a white male. The girls advised the encountering the male. They continued their walk across Freedom Bridge and the old railroad bridge over to Old State, uh, Old State Road 25. And so these are three juveniles um, that they are talking to separately. And so that's why some of them are saying, you know, black, some are saying blue. One is saying this person, and it was redacted, said hi. Another person said, I said hi. So what they're doing is they've independently and individually spoke to these three juveniles and these three witnesses separately. That way they can correlate what's real and what's not, and they can get their questions across to them. Does that make sense, guys? So this says, investigator spoke with Blank, who advised that she was on the trails on February 13th. A video from the Hoosier Harvest store captured Blank's vehicle traveling eastbound at 1.46 p.m., Towards the entrance across from Myers Farm, Blank advised she saw four juvenile females walking on the bridge over Old State Road 25 as she was driving underneath on her way to park. Blank advised there were no other cars parked across from 
Mayor's Farm, where she parked, she advised she walked to the Monhon Bridge and observed a male matching the one from the victim's second video. She described the male she saw as a white male wearing blue jeans and a blue jean jacket. She advised he was standing on the first platform of the Monhon High Bridge, approximately 50 feet from her. She advised she turned around at the bridge and continued to walk. She advised approximately halfway between the bridge and the parking area across from Myers Farm. She passed two girls walking towards the Monhon Bridge. She advised she believed the girls were victim one and victim two. And so based on this, uh, oh yeah, video from the Hoser Harvestone shows at 149 a white car matching the vehicle traveling away from the entrance across Myers Farm. Blanket advised she finished her walk and saw no other adults than the male. And her vehicle was seen leaving the harvest store at 214, leaving westbound from the trails. So basically, there was another witness that saw potentially bridge guy mm -hmm. on the bridge, standing at the platform, already waiting, and saw that these girls were walking in that direction. Doesn't appear that he was hiding. It doesn't appear that he was in the bushes or in the trees, any of those things. He was standing on the bridge. You know, there are some um, there, you know, you have the folks that are talking about the, the witnesses that are talking about. They saw him walking with a purpose, walking in that direction around two o'clock, one forty nine ish. You know, that's right before these uh, this incident occurred. And so, you know, it makes you ask what's more likely that he just so happened to show up at the right time for these two little girls to be there or they planned it. And maybe that could be why. And they think there's somebody else involved is that they feel that the coincidence of them both being at the same time at the same place might not vote as accurate. What do you guys think about that? We'll start off with you, Big Boo. You're muted. Sorry, it's a little um, hard to go with all the three different stories, man. Like, I don't know. It is. It is. And the fact that they're also the names are redacted, so it's kind of hard to tell who is who. Yeah. I had to read it like twice just to like, kind of put it together because it goes back and forth from their different like um, stories. Right. What about you, Jaime? What do you think so far up to this point? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like you said earlier, um, uh, witness testimonies or witness uh Telling the, the the when they're telling you the story, usually they forget. You know, you sometimes you don't pay attention to details as much as you should. And right. uh, what's it called? They might like even with uh, one of the witnesses said that he was wearing all black and now it's blue. You know, it's it's hard to tell. But like maybe it could have been just a coincidence that he was there. But that's just too much of a coincidence. No, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. So. Uh, this female here says that her vehicle is seen leaving the harvest store around 2.14 p.m. That's one minute after after the uh, the last visual of from Libby and Abby that they recorded on their phone. Uh, leaving westbound from the trails, Blink advised when she was leaving, she noted a vehicle parked in an odd manner at the old Child Protective Services building. She said it was not odd for vehicles to be parked there, but she noticed it was odd because of the manner in which it was parked back backed in the near the building investigators received a tip from blank in which he stated he was on his way to delphi on state road 
25 around 2.10 p.m. That's right before the murders occurred. He observed a purple PT cruiser or small SUV type vehicle parked on the south side of the old CPS building. He stated it appeared as though it was backed in to conceal its license plates of the vehicle. Blank both drew diagrams of where they saw the vehicle parked. Their diagrams generally matched the area in which the vehicle was parked and the manner in which it was parked. Blank advised, remember seeing a smaller dark colored car parked at the old CPS building. He described it as possibly a smart car. Blank vehicle seen leaving at 2.28 at, at p.m. on the Harvard Store video. So these are two different people and it's kind of confusing because they, like I said, they, they redact the names, but these are two different witnesses that saw a vehicle at the old um, CPS building, which is right here. This is where it used to be parked or parked. This is where it used to be. In fact, this is a, this is from 2017 and this is the actual building itself. And so if he came in and parked it up, yeah, it would be kind of weird to park it up to the building. You know what I mean? Like I would, I would assume and suspect cars to be lined up like this in this, what looks like a parked area, but to pull up all the way to the uh, back of the building to shield your license plate is a little bit suspicious. Yeah. Because like not, 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 all, not all states, um, uh, is it mandatory to have the front license plate, right? No. no. I know here in Texas, I, I believe it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, in Texas, you have to have the front. So that's a, like a real good reason to back up all the way to the to the building so that way they can see your license plate. So let's kind of move up a little bit real quick. Let me take this out. So this is more or less. And it's wide open, dude. Like, yeah, it's in you you can't hide here like it's ballsy that's for sure like you have to like let's just say he parked here right let's just there's play the bridge right there you can see it yeah there's the freedom bridge mm -hmm. that's where they say they saw him walking now he would have had to and there's there's a witness that says it they saw him walking bloody muddy the whole nine yards all the way from from here this is where the bridge where they were taken and the thing is they weren't even taken or, or or walked to in this direction they were walked to in the opposite direction yeah you get what i'm saying yeah and so you know let's measure this out if the if the murders occurred here he went back to his car a mile away now, this is just a straight line. Of course, he went through probably the trails and through off the beaten path. You'd have to. I mean, you'd be noticed. Yeah. Definitely. But you can cut through the woods, you know what I mean? Like, you can hide through most of it. But that last, last, you know. From what, right here? Last half mile, you're going to be out exposed. That's why people saw him. People said they yeah. saw somebody, you know, walking with, with mud and Look like blood. Look like a guy in a fight. Yeah, and I think that's what we're getting to on this part right here. Investigator spoke with Blank, who stated she was traveling east on 300 North on February 13th and observed a male subject walking west on the north side of 300 North, away from the Monon High Bridge. Blank advised that the male subject was wearing a blue-colored jacket and blue jeans and was muddy and bloody. 
She further stated that it appeared he had gotten into a fight. Investigators were able to determine from watching the video from the, the Harvest store that Blank was traveling on County Road 300 North at approximately 357. So just before four o'clock. Um, and so and this is the the harbor store where they're seeing folks if he's on the north side of the road he's on this side of the roadway walking westbound is that direction towards the old cps building but just to be walking on the side of this road i mean the, i don't get it he didn't pop up it doesn't say in here that he pops up anywhere on this on this on these cameras so did he know that there was cameras there I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't say on here that he was, um, hey, what's going on? It doesn't say that he was, uh, that he or the, the assailant or anybody was seen walking in front of the harvest store. So that leads me to believe that he may have known that there was cameras there. Yeah, he bypassed them, but he did. Did they see a car similar to his? Right. Well, the car that they saw, they found is was parked way over here, mm -hmm. and like let's just say that he was walking on the north side of the street, right? And that's on this side of the street, mm -hmm. and this is the street that they're referencing. He would have walked right in front of this hardware, um, harvest store. Yeah. I mean, for everybody to see, this is where a lot of folks got dropped off at this trail right here. If, if this that is was the start of the trail, the trail. If that was the case, they should have arrested this man a long time ago. If that was the case, if he walked you would think. in front of everybody, <laughs> yeah, you would think that if he was going this direction, yeah. yeah. But at that time, the girls weren't reported missing. Nobody knew about them. Well, this lady came forward and she said that she saw them and saw him on this side. Now I can't fabin to believe that this guy doesn't show up on this on this camera without knowing that there's cameras there mm -hmm. so let's see through in interviews electronic data photographs and video from hooser harvest store investigators determined that there were other people on the trail that day after 213. those people were interviewed and none of those individuals encountered the male subject referenced above witnessed by the juvenile girls Blank and blank. Further, none of these individuals witnessed victim one and two. Investigators reviewing prior tips encountered a tip narrative from officer who interviewed Richard M. Allen in 2017. And so basically what this paragraph is saying is that they've interviewed a lot of people mm -hmm. and a lot of people saw either the victims or this uh, guy that was walking on the bridge who was on the bridge, you know, and they don't see um, the victims, nor that guy after 2.13. So they're saying that they are putting two and two together to say that those three individuals were together, which isn't evidence. That's not, you know, just because yeah. people didn't see them doesn't mean that they were still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, not saying that I think this guy needs to go free or whatever the case may be, but there's some concerns about this evidence, right? Yeah. So definitely. let's go through what the, uh, do you guys have any questions so far about what we're reading here? What's it called? Um, 
I was gonna say, um, if this is what they have since like five years ago on this five year investigation, it's not a lot to be honest. It really isn't. And really. if this is it, then we should be hearing a bell, a bond set. I agree. And I think that there needs to be more evidence. If the police have more evidence based on, you know, their statements, they seem to be confident about what they're talking about. They, they at least say they're confident. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to put more evidence in here. What else did you find in your search? Yeah, exactly. Because like, even like last time that we were talking about it, um, I was like, oh, okay, they should, they, they, they sound real confident about what they have. But now that we're actually reading it, it's like, whoa, it's circumstantial at best. To this, right, point, exactly. to this point. And to this point. To this point. So let's talk about what Mr. Allen had said. So Allen said in 2017 that he was on the trail between 1330 and 1530, which is 1.30 and 3.30 p.m. He stated that he parked at the old Farm Brewer building and walked to the new Freedom Bridge, which they go in here and say there isn't, there's no such thing as the Farm Bureau building. They think he's talking about the CPS building. Well, at the Freedom Bridge, he saw three females. He noted one was taller and had brown and black hair or black hair, did not remember the description nor did he speak with them. He walked from the Freedom Bridge to the High Bridge. He did not see anybody, although he stated he was watching a stock ticker on his phone as he walked. He stated there were vehicles parked at the High Bridge Trail ahead. However, did not pay attention to them. He did not take any photos or videos. His phone is did not list an IMEI number, but did have the following MEID, which is basically the same thing. Um, Potential follow-up information. Who are the girls, three girls walking in that area from Freedom Bridge? Now, he says he's parked basically at the CPS bridge. Yeah. He puts himself on the on the high bridge. Mm-hmm. He puts himself with the with the witnesses that saw somebody early. I think they found those witnesses and they put those two things together. And so to this point, those witnesses that saw him on the trail. There's uh, there's evidence to believe that because he put himself there, right? Yeah. Give me one second, guys. So investigators believe Mr. Allen was referring to the former Child Protective Services building as there was not a farm brew building in the area, nor had there been. Investigators believe the females he saw included blank and blank, which are the names redacted from the previous uh, witnesses due to the time they were leaving the trail and the time he reported getting to the trail and the descriptions of the three females he gave. Investigators discovered Richard Allen owned two vehicles in 2017, a 2016 Black Ford Focus and a 2006 Gray Ford 500. Investigators observed a vehicle that resembled Allen's 2016 Ford Focus on the Hoosier Harvest Store video at 1.27 p.m. traveling westbound on County Road 300 North in front of the Hoosier Harvest Store, which coincided with his statement that he arrived around 1.30. At the trails, investigators note witnesses described a vehicle parked at the former CPS building as a PT Cruiser, small SUV, or a smart car. Investigators believe that those descriptions are similar in nature to the 2016 Ford Focus. So they're saying that he was the person that was parked behind the, the, the CPS building. He's mm-hmm. admitting to parking behind the CPS building. Yeah. All right. And that doesn't mean kill anybody, by the yeah, way. Exactly. It just means that the witnesses did see the car there parked at that time. Now, what I'm not seeing here, so they go on October 13, 2022, they they interviewed him again, right? 
yeah. they don't say why. Now there was tips out there that they were going through old tips or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of leads to follow that that narrative because there's nothing in here about you know there was a search of the Wabash River due to Keegan Klein and that search resulted in this, which led back to um, this guy's house. Right? That's not in there. That's not mm -hmm. in there. So that leads me to believe that nothing was found in that search, as indicated. So. Mm -hmm. On October 13, 2022, Richard Allen was interviewed again by investigators. He advised he was on the trails February 13th, 2017. He stated he saw juvenile girls on the trail east of the Freedom Bridge. So he saw the juvenile girls east of Freedom Bridge and that he went into the Monhon High Bridge. So I'm laughing because somebody put a smart car to a Ford Focus is hardly identical. You're talking to some teenagers that don't well, seem that interested in cars, you know what I mean? That and also, it's not certain who that witness is, is at the building, but yeah. So, this is east of the bridge. So, if he came down directly this way and just kind of walked this way in this direction, then that makes sense. I don't see him crossing the Freedom Bridge, there's a difference there. All right, so Richard Allen further states he went onto the Monon High Bridge to watch the fish. Now, we looked at a video from the top of that bridge. Do you pretty think high. it's pretty high? It's about 60, 70 feet. Uh, you think you can see fish in that shallow river from up there? I don't know. Do you think uh, you go up there to look for fish? They look like minnows. <laughs> I mean, unless he was catfishing, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a possibility. Right. Yeah. But that, that, that sounds kind of fishy. No <laughs> nope. I was about to say that. <laughs> Later in his statement, he said he walked out of the first platform on the bridge. So he puts himself on mm -hmm. the Monhan Bridge. He stated that he then walked back, sat on the bench on the trail, and then left. He stated he parked his car on the side of an old building, told investigators that he was wearing blue jeans and a blue or black Carhartt jacket with a hood. Now, for those that are unfamiliar with what that looks like, This is a Carhartt jacket with a hood. That's like what, it's, like a like a welder's kind of jacket, I guess. Right, right. It looks a little familiar, yeah, don't it? Yeah, I've seen a lot of welders use that. Yeah, they're they're really warm, man. They're they're really tough too. They they're durable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer Dickies, but Carhartt's it's just expensive. It's just too expensive. No, I hear you. I hear you. And so. <laughs> That is the style of which of the jacket that he was wearing. Mm -hmm. um, he advised he may have been been wearing some type of head covering as well. So the, he said he may have been wearing a hat. He further claimed that he saw no one else except the juvenile girls he saw east of Freedom Bridge. He told investigators that he owns firearms and that they are at his house. Mm -hmm. Richard M. Allen's wife, Kathy Allen, also spoke to investigation, confirmed that Richard did have guns and knives at the residence. She also stated that Richard still owns a blue Carhartt jacket. Still owns it. Now, you think that he went out and bought another one after the fact? Uh, so his wife wouldn't question where it was? Hmm. He could have washed it too, man. I mean... The blood that they described, that stuff stains. Oh, 
I get blood off of towels all the time, brother. Just hydrogen peroxide, a little blood eraser, a nice scrub. You get rid of most of it, especially if it's like a water repellent Carhartt. Well, I think it'll be easier to burn it and just buy a new one. It is. <laughs> yeah, like why? Why keep it? Why keep it? Right. So, yeah. she says she's he still owns it. So on October thirteenth, investigators executed a search warrant on Richard Allen's residence uh, because he said he had guns um at 1967 north whiteman drive delphi carroll county indiana among other items officers located jackets boots knives and firearms including a six-hour model uh, p226 a 40 caliber pistol with a serial number u625627 so that is that type of that type of weapon yeah in case anybody is uh interested in to knowing they bought it in 2001 right yeah he said he bought it in 2001 um between october 14th and 19th the indiana state police laboratory performed analysis on allen's six hour model p226 and the laboratory performed physical examination and classification of the firearm function test barrel and overall length measurement testing firing ammunition component characterization microscopic comparison and NIBIN, the laboratory determined the unspent round located within two feet of victim two's body had been cycled through Richard M. Allen's six saucer, six hour model P226. So basically what they're saying is that the uh, extraction marks left on the K on the round that was not spent at the scene mm-hmm. matches the, um, the rounds that are coming out of this weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying that at one point that round was cycled through Richard Allen's gun. Yeah. Um, it would have been, like you said earlier, like every weapon leaves, uh, what's it called? Like almost like a fingerprint, right? Whenever the, the bullet exits it through the, through the barrel. But when it extracts out the, you know, when you cock it back and extract, yeah. I think it's a little bit harder. I'm, I'm not sure if it makes the same marks all the time or if other guns make the same mark. You know what I mean? Right. I think that the um, the marks that it makes are going to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Distinctive to that gun alone. And so. But, I mean, it would be better. Like, it, it wouldn't be better, but like, if you get a better um uh, fingerprint i guess you could say if it was shot through the barrel right probably probably i would say yes because it says here that the laboratory remarks is an identification opinion is reached when the evidence exhibits an agreement of class characteristics and sufficient agreement on individual marks sufficient agreement is that related to the significant duplication of random um, strayed impressed marks as evidenced by the correspondence of a pattern or combination of patterns on a surface contours. The interpretation of identification is subject to nature and based on relevant scientific research and reporting examiners training and experience. So this says here that it is subjective in nature. That's not fact. Yeah. Yep. I saw that too. And I'm like, oh man, like just because they can um, it's not for a fact that it actually 
came out from his weapon, right? Um, based on the examiner's training and experience, he yeah. he or she believes the markings are similar enough that it that it came from there. Uh, yeah, but the defense is gonna have a field day with that. I would agree. I would agree. Investigators then ran the firearm and found the firearm was purchased by Richard Allen in 2001. Richard Allen voluntarily came to the state, Indiana State Police uh, post on October 26, 2022. He spoke with investigators and stated that he never allowed anyone to use or borrow his, his six-hour firearm. And when asked about the unspent bullet, he did not have an explanation on why the bullet was found between the bodies of victim one and two. He again admitted that he was on the trail but denied knowing victim one or two and denied any involvement in their murders. Carroll County Sheriff's Department Detective Blank has been part of the investigation since it started. Why would they redact the detective and the investigation? I understand the juveniles yeah. and some of the witnesses, but why are you redacting the detective too? Because they're redacting the person that fell asleep on their job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... Maybe. Maybe they rejected the investigator's name because of press. So it won't be, you know, subject to, like, then go in, like, find out the name of their residence and whatnot, like, doxing them. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Carroll County Sheriff's Department detective, been a part of the investigation. He has an, had an opportunity to review and examine the evidence gathered in the investigation. Detective Blank, along with other investigators, believe the evidence gathered shows Richard Allen is the male subject seen in the video on victim two's phone who forced the victims down the hill further the, that the victims were forced down the hill by Richard Allen led to a location where they were murdered. Though the statements and photographs of the juvenile females and the statement of blank and blank were at the southeast edge of the trail at 1243 p.m. east of Freedom Bridge at 126 p.m. and walked across the former railroad overpass at Old State Road 25 after 126 p.m. And before 1.46 p.m., they walked the entirety of the trail and observed only one person, an adult male. A blank vehicle was seen on Hoosier's Harvest Store video at 1.46, leaving at 2.14. And she stated she only saw one adult male. Blank and blank described the male in similar manners, wearing similar clothing, leading investigators to believe all four saw the same male individual. But that doesn't mean that that's the only person there. It doesn't mean it was Richard Allen, either. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you can kind of put two and two together that the juveniles probably saw him based on their description of what they saw and based on what he described himself wearing and when he showed up. But that doesn't put him like this is super, you know, circumstantial at best. Mm -hmm. This is like, all right, you have a public area that is miles long and you have the word of like four people that said that they saw somebody and only that one person in the park and saw no one else. That's hard to believe that they went through the entire park or the trail, saw everybody that was on there and left and exited and could potentially say that this was the only guy here. Yeah, I'm not buying it. And I think the defense, there's reasons why they said this was flimsy and yeah. that you might have questions as well. I thought now, they were. I thought they were bluffing, man. But man, now why do you got? Is there is there a plausible explanation as to why the unspent uh, casing might be out there? What do you guys think? If oh man, if it's actually from Richard Allen's gun, uh, man, 
the defense is going to counter real bad. And, like, if that's the only evidence they have, they might – he might walk. But, man, like, how can you – how can you defend that, though? Like, your bullet being in between two – or two yeah. of the, between the victims, you know what I mean? It's, now, it's what, hard, what I would say as if I was a defense attorney, I could say, hey, you live in a small town. Mm-hmm. I'm sure hunting and and maybe even perhaps, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to a, um, um, a shooting range, it may be possible. And that, that that round ended up somewhere out of his gun in a bucket somewhere uh, amongst other bullets. You know, rounds, you know, you have, you know, there's a possibility that um, maybe perhaps, you know, Richard Allen had a daughter. Uh, she took the bullet to school. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can go down to as far as why that or how that bullet got there. Um, if there's no DNA on that bullet, there's no fingerprint on that bullet, then, I mean, you can only say that that round came from that gun not when it was put on the ground. It could have been there years before this happened. He bought the gun in 2001. You yeah, know? but he also, he also said he'd never been in that property. Right. No, he he also said he was he was out there on that trail. I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. that, you know, you can go back and forth from, but it's not his job to prove how that bullet got there. Yeah. It's not his job to prove he's innocent. It's the prosecutor to prove he's guilty and to prove mm-hmm. that there was only one way that that, that bullet got there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't feel like it's strong enough. That's just me. So it says investigators believe the male observed by blank and blank are the same male de- dictated in the video due to the descriptions of the male by the four females matching the male in the video. Furthermore, victims two was taken victim two video was taken at two thirteen, and blank saw only one male while she was on the trail from approximately 146 to 214. That doesn't mean he was the only male just because one witness only saw one person. What this says, though, that I didn't know before is that both the girls actually took pictures and videos on their phones. That's that's information that I got. I only remember them just saying there was only one video. I only see victim two's video. I think there was other girls that are witnesses that took pictures and they took those pictures from them that they were on the trail to try to see if there was anything behind them. But yeah, those those others were mentioned were the witnesses. So okay. investigators believe Richard Allen was the male seen by blank and blank. Male seen in victim two's video. Richard Allen told investigators he was on the trail from 1.30 to 3.30. Uh, video from uh, Hoosier Harf store shows a vehicle that matches the description of Richard Allen's vehicle passing at 127 towards the former CPS building. The clothing he told investigators he was wearing matched the clothing of the male seen in victim two's video and the clothing descriptions provided by blank and blank. A vehicle matching the description of his 2016 Ford Focus seen at or around 210, 214, and 228 at the former CPS building. Through his own admissions, Richard Allen walked the trails and eventually hiked the Monhorn High Bridge and walked onto Monhorn High Bridge. A male subject matching Richard Allen's description was not seen on the trail after 213. Investigators identified other individuals on the trails or County Road 300 North between 230 and 411. PM, none of those individuals saw a male matching the description of Richard Allen on the trail. Furthermore, Richard Allen stated he only saw three girls on the trail who investigators believed to be blank, which is redacted. Yeah. Investigators believe Richard Allen was not seen on the trail after 2.13 because he was in the woods with victim one and two. 
an unspent 40 caliber round between the bodies of victim one and two was forensically determined to have been cycled through Richard Allen's six hour model P226. The six hour was found at Richard Allen's residence and he admitted to owning it. Investigators were able to determine that he had owned it since 2001. Richard Allen stated he had not been on the property where the unspent round was found and that he did not know the property owner and that he had no explanation as to why the round cycle through his firearm would be at that location. So there was a couple of questions and comments that I had seen that stated, um, I guess people were trying to make it seem like Ronald Logan was somehow involved in trying to fit that narrative. Yeah. Uh, they were saying that Richard Allen one time worked for Ronald Logan. He was familiar. He, he did hunting. Uh, according to this, that's not true. And those are just people trying to fit the, the Ronald Logan narrative to their story because that's who they believe did it. And so let's see. Investigators believe that after the victims were murdered, Richard Allen returned to his vehicle by walking down County Road 300 North. Investigators believe he was seen by Blank walking back to his vehicle on County Road 300 North with his clothes that were muddy and bloody. Blank, along with investigators, believe the statements made by the witness because the statements corroborate the timeline of the death of the two victims as well as they coincide with the admissions made by Richard Allen. Further, the accounts relayed by Blank and Blank are similar in nature and the timestamps of the photographs taken. Blank correspond with the times of the juvenile female said they were on the trail and saw the male individual. So yeah. they basically just did the, uh, the old uh, process of elimination to, yeah. to figure out who this was. And I'm not sure if it's enough. Well, this is the probable cause. This is just to get, this is like the starting point, right? Like, of course, it's going to be this in, in court, they're going to show more evidence. Oh, if hopefully they have more, which I'm pretty sure they do. Um, hopefully it's DNA. Um, but through the discovery, you know, discovery of evidence and whatnot. But like, this is just like the probable cause to get uh, the investigation and uh, maybe like, you know, keep them in, you know, in jail for the time being, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but the, the probable cause affidavit it also tells a magistrate slash judge that they have enough evidence to believe that a crime was committed by this person. Mm hmm. And I mean, I honestly don't see anything other than you have a guy that admitted he was there during the time of the, uh, the attack on a public trail that was miles long. Mm -hmm. And you have an unspent casing found near the bodies in an open area. That was, that was from his gun. Right. It was from his gun, but it was down in a public area. It wasn't now I, I would. Now, if the gun was, if the bullet was spent and it was found inside one of the victims, that's a different story. Yeah, definitely. Different but it was story. You, you can't prove that, that that gun was unspent at that time. But yeah, why would it be there, though? Why? why? Yeah, I mean, like. I mean, I found unspent, unspent uh, ammunition on trails before. Really? Yeah. I've been hunted all my life. I've never seen that. I've seen shells, but yeah. I've never, I've never, never seen a, a a bullet itself, like a bullet with a, you know, unspent round. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it'll be, it'll be hard to. It's um. To that me, sounds like that sounds like a nail in in one nail in his coffin so far. <laughs> not the yeah. nail. 
not I think, <laughs> same, but I think it's also kind of like he's gonna try to work a deal out. So I think they're just you know putting it out there that hey, we'll see. And if you if you don't mind going through there uh, and looking at some comments, I was reading this. I didn't see them all. This one caught my attention. It says from Dave. He goes. They said a piece of clothing was missing and also two clumps of hair, according to Leak Texas. Um, I know that there there was some leak text stuff. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I believe a lot of the leak stuff that's come out. But what they did say on the uh, Richard Allen search warrant was that they found unknown fibers, and that one piece of clothing was missing, and it was redacted, and it was long enough to make you believe that it was either underwear undergarments was the word that was redacted yeah. uh but yeah they found foreign fibers and you know the fibers defensive wound dna wounds you know stuff like that that proves that he was there and also there present during the crime make more sense than this um this doesn't even show me because i mean you know the prosecutors say that they're that by releasing the probable cause affidavit it could potentially um, hinder the case on others. I don't see that here. I don't see how that's going to hinder the case. And if they thought, oh, yeah, we released this, then somebody's going to know what we know. Uh, somebody could go run. The fact that Richard Allen was arrested would make you believe that if somebody was involved with him, that they would run if they weren't already in jail. Uh, do you guys buy that they think that this was more than one person involved? Nah, man. It doesn't seem like there's anybody like they're pointing to any other uh, suspects. Not from here, I guess. Uh, I guess because, like I said, it's probably just a probable cause for for Richard Allen himself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't see anything that that points to anyone else, or that he had help. Like he had help, or it doesn't even mention anything about the accounts, fake accounts, or anything like that. And the other thing about the hair. If they had hair, clumps of hair somewhere, uh, that would be sign of fight and struggle. Richard, the the Ronald Logan affidavit said there was no sign of fight or struggle. Uh, so I feel that that probably uh, wasn't accurate when it said that about the hair. Let's see. Sorry, but with an intelligent jury, this guy's toast already. With an unintelligent jury and one cop hater, even with the DNA, this guy will walk. My view, he is still guilty. Yeah, there, you know, there's what you know and what you can prove. You know, I think that there's a good op there's a good chance that this guy is the dude. You know, he was the guy that was on the bridge. He was the guy that ended up committing these murders. My thing is, I don't know if they have enough evidence to put this guy away. Now, Richard Allen and his defense attorneys have already uh, pulled for a change of venue. Uh, that way it can be moved out of Delphi and somewhere else. Um, that way it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't, they, they find a uh, jury that may or may not be aware of the whole situations. Uh, Richard, Richard Dobbs says, I've always said lone wolf. I mean, it's quite possible. It's, it's looking more and more like a lone wolf situation here. Yep. Um, you know, the more we look into this and the more the evidence comes out, the more it looks that direction. Now, I think that the police still think there might be a Keegan Klein connection based on what he knows. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it could be possible. Like, and I mentioned this before, Keegan Klein was 
targeting girls of a certain age in a certain location in mm -hmm. a certain geographic area um you would believe that he could have targeted probably a lot of different girls in that area and if anything would have happened to those girls unrelated to him and then it would have shined a spotlight on him yeah. now that doesn't change some of the statements that he's made he's made some weird statements talking about you know i don't know how true this is but that he claimed he was waiting in a red red jeep while the murders were were happening things of that mm -hmm. nature you know the wabash river uh was searched because he said they'd find a phone and and a knife the murder weapon and none of those things were found and so does it come down to maybe this guy just likes the attention likes to lie maybe sees it as a potential way of getting the attention back on him maybe but i'm not seeing anybody else you know corresponding with him now the time frame in which he showed up that he said he was there leads me to believe that he planned the meetup with the girls. What do y'all think about that? Because they showed up right almost around the same time. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm having trouble with my internet. I'm going to have to log out real quick. I'll be right back. All right. All right. No, big, no problem. Um, and for everybody else, please, guys, if you guys don't mind, would you guys hit the subscribe button for us? Uh, we've just recently hit 660 some odd subscribers. We would definitely love to have your help by getting more subscribers. It's something free. It doesn't cost you a dime and it would help out our program and our show reach more people and, and get better as we grow. We're, we're fairly new. Um, we've only been doing this for, we've been doing true crime probably for, what do you say? Maybe a month now, Blue? Uh, you're muted, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about a month and a half or two yeah we've we've been we're gonna be continuing to do more true crime uh style um deals here hold on let me remove my mouth I this froze, yeah and so <clears throat> yeah I, I just don't see how like i'll be honest it's one of those things where i feel like after five years this is what you have now the other question I have, why wouldn't they release the information about the, the vehicle at the CPS building? Why wouldn't they release, hey, did you guys see anybody walking on the north side of County Road 300? You know, did you see this individual walking? Like, there's a lot of stuff that they kept close that I felt that they didn't need to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, this, it, it could have been... Oh man, they by going through all the probable the the probable cause affidavit, like it just I don't see why they didn't just release it and let everybody no not everybody let let us know about it, you know what I mean? Why they they arrested him. Why he was a person of interest, you know what I mean? I mean if yeah. it's if I mean obviously the 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 unspent bullet was the probable cause, right? Yeah. Right. That seems like the but, one thing that puts that and the fact that he puts himself on the scene yeah but i think the thing more the the bullet because any, he anybody could have been there and couldn't what didn't have to be the killer you know what i mean right wow. what were you gonna say blue i was gonna say i think it's because um they were still doing the testing like on the gun and stuff for a while so they had just gotten that that evidence and then say they said they, they did the testing on the gun in october so yeah. they got concrete evidence to say hey time to, to rest 
I just I'll be honest with you guys. I, I I don't like I don't like the bullet, the unspent bullet thing. It was found two feet away from the bodies in the grass, outside near a river that people probably go fish, hunt, trail. There's a lot of those things that go on down there. Um, I don't like it as far as enough evidence to put the guy. Now, if they found the jacket, they tested the jacket, blood found on the jacket, comes back to Libby and Abby, done deal. You know, you find the souvenirs, done deal. You find the underwear, done deal. I don't feel like this is done deal evidence. Well, like I said, this is just a probable cause. I mean, I'm sure they have more evidence. Well, the probable cause has to have the smoking gun evidence to take your freedoms away from you. You have to have why they think you did this. It may not be all the evidence. It's not going to be like, for instance, um, what I would expect to find in a probable cause affidavit was that something of the nature where you had two juveniles, they were killed. This was the murder weapon we found, the murder weapon or whatever was found at this person in his presence or in his mm -hmm. possession somehow, some way. All this other stuff about this witness here and that witness there, that's for your case. That goes to trial. That's your circumstantial stuff. That shouldn't be I think your biggest thing on a probable cause affidavit. Your biggest thing on your probable cause affidavit from the arrest that I've um, arrested people on, the main, the main part of it is who, what, when, where, and why. You have to put those information who killed who, when, where, why, and and you have to have your evidence as to why. It's just like, like for I mean, yeah, instance, like, if it uh, was like a, um, like if it was like a dispute, right? Husband, wife, wife finds out, husband finds out wife's cheating, committed the murder with this. We found the weapon at uh, in his vehicle, yada, yada, yada. The, the, the evidence that's not in there is the witnesses, is the circumstantial stuff um you know the prob the 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 limit the oh man what's the word i'm looking for I, I said it earlier where it's you know the uh elimination by um you know all that stuff comes in with your case it's usually just it's not a lot of information it mm -hmm. really isn't it's just the meats and potatoes of the case and why you have enough to arrest somebody and yeah. here i see a bunch of circumstantial stuff Go ahead, Boone. I think uh, they they got more evidence when they when they searched the house. Finally, I mean, they they just didn't say, "Oh, we got one gun." They had a couple items that they carried off. So I think they have more evidence. They're just not going to put it all on this one on this one probable cause. So it's going to be coming out when they do the hearings and the court. You know. No, and I get that. I, I understand that there's more evidence that's to come out. It's just usually on your probable cause affidavit, the manner in which the persons were deceased. Like, this doesn't say how they killed them. <laughs> this doesn't say what the stage meant. Staged equals bullet shoe and found on the wrong bank. No, I doubt that. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't show what any of those things mean and doesn't really tie them there other than the fact that you have... A couple of witnesses who were on the trail that day that said that they saw this guy and didn't see him after a certain time. And some of these people left at 214. Of course, they didn't see him after that time. They weren't even on the trail anymore. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? This thing clearly says that some that these witnesses left at 214. So how can you tell me that they're they know everybody on the trail? True. I mean, 
But then again, like, why the hell did Richarlison put himself there? That's the other thing. Why he he put himself there? He puts his vehicle where it's at now. You know, that's the other thing. Like, if he would have came forward and said, "Hey, I was there, but I left like at one o'clock," mm-hmm. and then there's video of him pulling up at one thirteen and not leaving till three. You got him, but that's not there. He says he gets there at one thirty, leaves at three thirty. That's on the uh, the video. There's no video of anybody walking up to the vehicle from that direction on the side of the road, muddy and full of blood. Like none of that is there. Mm-mm. And so if you have a witness that says that there was uh, they saw somebody muddy and full of blood, then that also leads to me to believe that this person didn't take a change of clothes or any of those things. And so they walked all the way back to their 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 vehicle, which that was one of the most unlikely things that we thought that this guy walked through the entrance of the trail. Yeah. Yeah. I thought know, there was, at least we think he would have parked a little bit closer. That or the we, we thought maybe perhaps a cemetery or yes, gone okay. through Ronald Logan's property or private road. the private road underneath the bridge, something not so noticeable. But to go in and out the front door or the front entrance. Yeah, it's a uh, he's not a professional killer, man. It's, a, it's a, a rookie mistake, I would say. I mean, he did to me avoid the camera so maybe he did hide for a little bit and then it was one part where if you looked at, at the when you were showing the maps the part where they probably saw him was a part that has like no trees and stuff where he can't really hide it's like fields maybe i mean oh man that's him walking it's... back to his house you see on when you get to the end of the of the road there it's all fields there's the tree is tree line ends yeah, but I mean, I mean, I know this isn't a very populated area, and I know this isn't a very, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people here. But yeah. to walk along the north side of the road, right? Let's. You're on the north side of the road, is what it says. You're walking along this side. Yeah. That's no trees. That's, that's no coverage. That's almost wide in the right open. That's wide in the open, bro. Yeah. Man. That's 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 struggling to believe. And somebody saw him, but nobody knew that that had happened yet. So they weren't looking for a bloody a guy walking around with bloody clothes. Yeah, but if you see somebody walking around with bloody clothes, you might yeah. be concerned. Not yeah. to call call somebody like, hey, I just saw somebody walking around with some bloody ass clothes. Like he got in a fight. You but might want to go check. Muddy. Maybe he tried to conceal it with mud. You know. He tried. He did, he did. He was close to the stream, so, and he had to either cross the the stream. I, I think he tried to conceal it with some 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 mud, but some of the blood he couldn't get off. You know, what I mean, maybe on the top part of his jacket and stuff. Mano makes a pretty good point here. He goes, if he was covered in his blood, his car should have some in it. If he don't own the car, FBI can track it with the VIN number. DNA will still be present. Now. This is absolutely true. If he went into his car that bloody, there should be DNA evidence of there. And that is all you would need on the probable cause affidavit. You wouldn't need all this jumbo mumbo jumbo stuff about this witness here and that witness there. You might need a few. You know, hey, this witness said that they saw him. And then you have Richard Allen saying that he was there. 
Then you have the one witness saying that he was walking with the bloodiness. And then you go to the car and say, hey, we found this blood in this car and it matched back here. That's solid. That is what you would be looking for. And you'd have a two page if that probable cause. And that's normally what you have. The longer the probable cause affidavit usually means it's they're trying, you know, they're, they're trying really hard to convince somebody that there's evidence there. What's it called on, on, on this one? There was eight pages long, right? Yeah. Right. And they only show seven. The last page, I think, is just signatures. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I was looking for it, too. I was like, did my PDF not download? <laughs> Me, too. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I just want to say hi to my cousin, Chewy. He came on today. He's like, what's up, Chewy? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Um, yeah, guys. So I think that, you know, there's definitely, there has to be more evidence in this. Um, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I just don't know what, I'm hoping it's DNA, because if it's DNA, then it's done deal, I believe. If this is it, do you think he gets off? Yeah. What about you? I do you I think, think he gets so. off? I don't think so. I think, I think because they, like they said, that casing came from that gun. So that Put his gun there. That puts him there. He said he's never let. Well, that puts that puts the casing there. That puts the casing there. That doesn't put the gun there. That puts the casing there because that casing could have been unspent at a lot of different places, and could have been picked up at a lot of different places. For instance, a gun now, range. If I go to a gun range, I'm gonna use every damn gun because they're so damn expensive. Every damn bullet. No, I, I get that, but this is also pre. Pre-inflation, this is 2017, pre-pandemic. And so, you know, things were a little bit um, different back in 2017. And so... Um, oh, bullets have been expensive since like 2004, <laughs> man. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, um, but for me, there's many a ways a spent bullet can get somewhere and not be in an unspent, an no. unspent bullet. It can get to a lot of different places. You know, once it's left, the once you pull the slide. I mean, it could have been as easy as in 2001, the person that, um, you know, was showing him this gun and throwing him out to take it apart, pulled it apart, casing came out, he picked it up, put it in his pocket, committed these murders, and it fell out. I mean, right there is a is a reasonable explanation as to why it was there. Somebody helped him with his gun at one point in his life picked up the casing and they're the ones that committed the murders and it was in their pocket for whatever reason this entire time you can't prove it's not yeah i mean I'm, I'm, damn pocket. Like, I, I think she used it to intimidate him i, I do too i think that, that, that that's and that's he lost it. it he lost it because of, like like you said if you ever gone to a gun range this casings go everywhere there's one time when I got home, I went during the winter time. I found one in my damn jacket, you know, in the hoodie. Because mm -hmm. they they go everywhere when you cock it back. You don't you don't see it, especially when he's trying to control two girls. So he lost it. He he, he got he got um, he got distracted and he couldn't find it and he had to go because you know people are gonna start looking for him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I mean I just know that this. Is just the probable cause, and that's that that unspent bullet was 
the probable cause to arrest him. I'm pretty sure they have more uh, evidence, hopefully DNA, or maybe even the, the, the clothing that he took or that was missing. You know what I mean? The souvenirs, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. V. Attaway says that she has a bunch of them at the bottom of her purse. <laughs> so, I, hold on, I got to block somebody. Nobody wants oh. her. Oh, I was about to do it too. You beat me to it. So that's another thing. Who's to say that he's parked at the CPS building, gets out of his car, casing falls out of the door. Somebody else parks next to him, picks it up off the ground, takes it with him. Yeah, but the witnesses only put one car there. That's the thing. No, they put other cars there. They, they put do? other cars, but they said that that car was up against it now, that wasn't something that was uh, it says on there that it wasn't uncommon for cars to be parked up against the uh, or parked in where the old cps building was yeah. that they found it odd that it was backed up all the way to the building as if they were trying to hide the license plates and so i mean who's to say somebody didn't pull up see the vehicle and pick up a casing walked into the uh, trail did what they did and left the casing back yeah like like you said, to me it sounds like they said there was only one car parked next to the building. The rest would have parked on the street on the side. That's what throws me off. Like, and they see him walking back towards that car. I mean, there's no video pictures to show what was there in the parking lot. But to me, that's not a close place to park, man. There's another closer place. If you're going down so, the trail. William Ray says Cody Patty is alleged to have had sex with Libby. Text messages. He has a motive. He was Ari's neighbor back in 2008. His alibi is shady, and he was part of the search party. Hmm. I mean, if he was friends with Ari, perhaps he had a, uh, a unspent shell casing at his house because maybe they hung out together. You never know. Now, as far as this goes, I remember there's – I don't know how true that is, but I, I saw something to the effect of – a Facebook post where somebody said, bro, she's only 14 or something like that. There was speculation he got her pregnant or got a 14-year-old pregnant. Who that 14-year-old was, nobody knows at this point. So, um, but yeah, Cody Patty, he was the, uh, he was, I think he lived two houses away from Richard Allen. He was actually seen laughing with, I think it was Libby's grandfather. Maybe it was her dad uh, at the courthouse. And people were like, oh, man, what are they laughing about or talking about? And I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's possible, but um, I don't know. I just think that there's there's potential ways of explaining an uncased, an unspent casing somewhere. You know what I mean? And yeah. so and, and for those asking about the uh, to come on, we're going to be doing that on Friday. We'll be having a show where you guys can join us on Friday. We can you can ask us questions about the case, ask questions about us. We're going to be doing that on Friday, y'all. Mm -hmm. So please hit that like and subscribe button, hit that notification bell. That way you're notified of all of our great content. Um, I don't know, man. I saw. Let me, let me put up a a, a comment right here. This uh, Richard with adoption. No show you cannot dispute this many coincidences happening at the same time, along with his admissions. I've, I've, I mean, I've, it's too many coincidences for it not to be true. <laughs> Way too many. Well, what are the coincidences? He said that he was at the trail. Mm -hmm. Now the clothing is a is is definitely a uh, a thing there, but 
He says he was at the trail at the mm -hmm. time he said he was at it. Mm -hmm. Like I would find it more um, of a red flag if he said he wasn't there or if he lied about the times he was there and they have the, uh, the surveillance saying that he was there at a different time, mm -hmm. you know, then he's hiding something, but he's been pretty upfront about everything from where he parked the vehicle, the timing he was there to mm -hmm. even being on the bridge. Uh, not saying that he's innocent whatsoever. I, I don't know. I think he's guilty based on the fact that the police arrested him. And I wholeheartedly believe the police wouldn't arrest somebody unless they had the evidence and believe that he was the guy. I just don't know about if this evidence is strong enough. You know what I'm saying? Well, like I said, it's just the tip of the iceberg on evidence. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is the tip of the iceberg. And with Ooh. that, I think we'll find out some more. And as this case unravels and then comes apart and more evidence comes out, we'll be coming here, going live, talk to you guys about it. Yeah. Um, I can't so, wait for the Friday show, though. The Friday show is going to be pretty dope because everybody's going to be able to to participate on the, on the on live with us. That'll be fun. So Zach says, how long did it take for him to come forward until the police he was there? Apparently it was at night. He came forward that night and told him that he was um, that he was there at the bridge, but didn't see anybody. Let me see. If he was doing it to hide his tags, he wouldn't have admitted to being there and parking there. True. That makes sense. That makes sense. See, there's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's got to be more to this. I, I think now, the reason so he came out and said he was there is because the other team saw him so he had to say he was there you know not to make him a suspect right away you know what i mean like like, like y'all said last time sometimes serial killers they they try, try to put themselves in the place as a witness that way you look away from them yeah yeah and serial killers sir <laughs> Yeah. No, what's it called? They, they they try to yeah they try to blend in with the with the search party and whatnot. Uh, you know, was was Richard Allen part of the search party? I believe he was. I believe he was. You think maybe he was uh, carrying his weapon around through there? I mean, even if he was, that still doesn't really make That's sense too. as to why an why would it be? bullet would be like two feet away from the body. Sterling goes, why does it take five years to test the guns of people that admitted for them being there? It's because they were targeting Ronald Logan. The case was all Ronald Logan and then also Keegan Klein. You know, Doug Carter mentioned something. He said that, you know, once you get the evidence, you're going to ask, why did they do DNF when they should have done A, B, and C? You would have thought that the first thing you would have done was gone and talked to the people who admitted to being there on the bridge, matching the description, wearing the clothes that or matching the description of the video, right? Uh, but instead, they got a little bit of tunnel vision. They saw that, you know, Ronald Logan was lying about his alibi, he came up with an alibi before the bodies were discovered. All these things that usually line up and point towards guilt. Then you have, you know, Keegan Klein coming through with the Anthony Schatz profile, talking to these girls the same day that they go missing. You know, that also leads to some guilt. And so, you know, you have these two big pieces there. I understand why the police would overlook something like this, but it really shouldn't have. You know, you have a guy who's claiming he was there on scene and, and dressed in the same um, 
clothing that was seen out of the person on the video. They had the full clip of the video. I, you know, it's not like they only had 10 seconds of the video also, like they you know, distributed to us. They had the full, the full shebang. And so I find it very weird that it took them this long as well to, to find this guy. Now, there are some rumors, rumors, that this is a, uh, that they're using him as a patsy. There was a, uh, a lawsuit that was filed against, I guess, the state or the city or the county uh, yeah. because they hadn't found somebody or put an arrest. And then shortly after that lawsuit, this arrest comes forward. Do you put any, um, you put any weight into those allegations of the, of the police department, maybe finding just arresting a guy just because now there's a lawsuit potentially going up against them? Shit. At this point, the way the world's turning right now, anything's possible, man. There's just not a corruption and whatnot, but who knows, man? I guess everything's going to come out on the trial, and that's what we're going to have to do. Just wait and see. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely wait and see. And, you I, know, the I, next step... Oh, go ahead, Big Blue. I still believe in the American judicial system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes one of us. Um, I think Heim is frozen. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, he is. So, you know... There, you go. there he is. I don't so, know what's going on with my internet, man. <laughs> so we're getting a little bit long on the on the tooth here on this one. Do you guys have any final thoughts on this case before we put a bow on it? We'll start off with you, Jaime. Um, yeah, man. Um, I expected a lot more from this affidavit. A lot more. Um, the his the, the Rich Adams lawyers the, the weren't weren't bluffing uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And you hear me? is frozen. There he goes. There he goes. I you hear him. Me? I hear oh. you. But oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah, the def uh, Richard Adams lawyers wasn't um, bluffing, and I just think there's more evidence, obviously, coming out. They're going to come out during the trial. That, and you also, you know, defense attorneys, they got some swagger. They got that confidence, that moxie. If your case isn't a confident, solid case. Most defense attorneys, that's what they're built for. You know, you, you're looking also at a small, a small area. So it's not like there's a lot of murder, uh, uh, experienced attorneys out there. So the ones that he's got mm -hmm. probably are pretty good for that area. You know what I mean? It's not like he's, he's got the options of the best and the worst here. It could be also on the, uh, on the lighter you know, side of that, where he could have gotten a pretty bad lawyer. But, you know, I've uh, looked at a lot of comments uh, in the YouTube and online on Reddit and stuff from when the news broke as to who his lawyers were. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people say that they've used those lawyers before, whether it was for a, a drug bust or whatever the case may be, and that they were pretty good. They were pretty good. Um, so I don't think it's going to be an easy case to convict. I think that there's got to be more to this. Uh, I'm hoping we find out more, and I'm hoping that if there is other people that are involved in this, that they get arrested and charged soon. You know, I, I find it hard to believe that you find one guy after five years and then, you, you know, you suspect him to be working with somebody else and only have one arrest still. It's a little suspicious. What are your last thoughts, Big Blue? Um, I think it's, it's enough evidence um, to convict them. Um, I think he might work on a deal. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. 
you know, maybe say, don't give me the death penalty if they have it, but I'll tell you what really happened kind of deal when, when everything comes to push this up. Um, well, my last thoughts are, um, there's an also another big case that we watch, uh, it's Vanessa Guyan and, uh, our deepest condolences go to all the families that we talk about on the show. But tomorrow, one of her uh, murder, uh, well, accomplices to the murder, is going to be on trial tomorrow. And we're going to, I'm going to watch that and see, see what goes on, man. And we'll talk about that next time. For yeah. sure, for sure. If you guys are interested in our case on Vanessa Gillian, it is in the uh, murder mystery uh, playlist. Please go check that one out. Also, all our other great content. Any other comments, guys? Didn't they on on Vanessa? Didn't they kill like her his her little cousin or something? That's like maybe like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, I heard they they shot her cousin in the head or something like that. Yeah, he passed away. That's yeah, sad. super sad for that family. It was in yeah. Austin, I believe. Yeah, I think he was just outside his house too. It wasn't like he was doing anything crazy. And yeah. so, so uh, a lot of craziness, a lot of craziness. We also talked about the Idaho four murders. Um, we recently talked about the entry point and, you know, we didn't really go into it too far into the, uh, the case that we, uh, you know, the original case, as far as the entry point goes mm-hmm. outside of what we saw, you know, with the ladder and the pot and the snow disturbance or the, the disturbance in the dirt on top of that ledge. But there was pictures of the siding glass door in the back of that house where somebody put some stools at the bottom of that sliding door so nobody could open it was that right yeah now that could have been done by the people in the house prior to the incident that's how they secured their glass door that could have been done by the killer once he made an entry into the house and or that could have been done by the police after the fact maybe the glass door was uh broken whether during the entry or the exit of the uh, of the criminal, and they needed to secure it in some way, and so they put those stools there. So there's some possibilities there as to why those stools were there. I don't anticipate those being the reasons because you compromise the scene, you compromise your evidence when you start moving things around you're not supposed to. Um, and so I strongly believe, and this is just my theory, that the assailant went up the ladder through that first bedroom window that was Ethan and Zana's um, bedroom. He took them out as, you know, because he was in there and then went up to the top floor and took the other two girls out. But that's just my theory. Um, Everybody in the live chat, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, With that being said, guys, replay crew, let us know your thoughts and theories in the comment section. That being said, guys, with the Drunk Turkey Show, let's put a bow on it. For the beginning of the week. Peace. We'll see y'all later. Peace. For the first time in more than five and a half years, we finally tonight have a few new answers to a question that has loomed over Indiana and over the town of Delphi. Who killed Abby Williams and Libby Turner? The end of the bridge, too. You gotta go through. Now, I believe that the bodies were found about 50. A suspect in the criminal investigation out of Fort Hood is dead. Officials say he killed himself overnight. They needed that little music in the background. It goes, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Knew about it or was there. He's as guilty as the person who committed. Chilling details in the arrest of a suspected serial killer caught before he could strike again. Damn, they they, they dropped the ball, man. 
they said he went AWOL. Mm. And that uh, he was a, a deserter and nobody went to look for him. Today is not a day to celebrate. But the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder. Right. He sees him taking off with the wife. They end up finding the wife uh, murdered with the uh, the baby out of her, and they found the baby in another place. Hey, greetings from the year three thousand. It still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry. And you're listening to The Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast.